Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Welcome to church today. So glad to see you. Thanks for uh, bringing that person with you. And uh, if you came alone, uh, we're glad you came And because uh, you're not alone once you get here. Amen. Thanks for being a part of this uh, family. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be looking. We kicked off this series last week called A Thrill of Hope. It's our Christmas series. If we were to sum Christmas up into one word, I believe this word would be hope. Uh, a, word, a word that sums up what Christmas is all about, that hope has come. And so we celebrate the significance of hope that has come to the earth. And so we're continuing that. I want to look today specifically at the announcement that was made uh, to uh, uh, announce the coming of this Christ child, the promised one. And we find that in Luke chapter 2. So would you turn with me to the Christmas chapter? You've got the love chapter in Corinthians. Uh, you've got the faith chapter in Hebrew. And you've got uh, in Hebrews. And you've got the Christmas chapter right here in Luke. And so Luke chapter 2. I want to look at this text together starting with verse 8. Would you stand with me today and just reading these few verses on this night that uh, is represented here. And um, I get to picture it a little more. Uh, it was the daytime, but a couple months ago, got to stand in the shepherd's field and sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. That was kind of cool. Uh, just to uh, stand in the place of where this announcement came. Here's what the Bible says in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news. Somebody say good news. If you haven't heard any good news, here's the good news. This is, sometimes the bad news covers up the good news. This is the good news. Here's what he says. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Can somebody say praise God that the Savior has been born? Father, I thank you that we have this hope. And this promise, I pray God today that it would come alive in our hearts, Lord, maybe like never before. Give us fresh, fresh eyes to see today. Lord, let us not just see the same story through the same lens, but God, let us see deeper. God, let us, let us move in closer. Let us see even more the heart and your love for us today, your love for all men, for all people. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen. amen. And you may be seated on your way being seated. Tell your neighbor it's about time. It's about time. Some of you think, what, about time? We were standing way too long. It's about time. I, I, I want to uh, share a message this morning as we're in this Thrill of Hope series. Uh, a weary world rejoices. That there's weariness that sometimes surrounds us. And I want to share today that the weary world rejoices. And I slow down every time I say that because I thought that is something you don't say five times fast. The weary world rejoices. So I've got to like sing it in my head to make sure it comes out and not we we will we voices, you know, something like that. So uh, I don't know if you can relate to this, that um, there is without a doubt um, a problem sometimes when you feel like you're waiting longer than you have to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm, uh, I'm, there is definitely room for grace in this area of my life. I'm not the most patient person. Uh, there is room to grow, and uh, I would 
suspect I'm probably not the only person who has some room to grow in the area of grace. But one of the things I've learned, or in the area of patience, one of the things I've learned is that I've tried to become a little more strategic in how I handle the waiting process. And so for me, multitasking has become the process that has made the waiting better and I've been able to cope in the waiting because I don't know about you but there is one of the things that frustrates me is when I feel like I'm wasting time anybody know what I'm talking about Uh, I don't like to waste time I don't like waiting is not always fun in fact there's a strategic process even recently I put this this strategy into practice Jody and I had done some initial Christmas uh, Christmas shopping recently and as we were shopping I noticed that the line at the register started to get a little longer so strategy kicked in I said I will hold the place in the line you continue shopping I'll take the items that you have right now you continue shopping by the time you're done we'll get there plus I've got this smartphone that I can check my messages while I'm standing in line and therefore the waiting process has now been been conquered because I didn't have to waste time not doing anything I got to hold the line check my messages I got to wait in a moment that also got rid of some notifications on my phone and by the time you were finished I got to the front it felt like victory is there anybody who knows what I'm talking about can I get a witness in the church this morning the victory of not wasting time I know there's some people in the room it's like ease up that's my wife she, she's like, it's all good. We, well, not always, but there's moments you realize you don't always want to wait. And the, the, the process of waiting that we can relate when you feel like you've wasted time, when it feels like things haven't gone in the way that, that it could be the best, it can sometimes become a frustration, become a difficulty. I, I want to picture this today. Imagine what the wait was like, that the wait all of a sudden ended on that night On the hill outside of Bethlehem, when the heavens opened and the angel began to sing in the presence of these shepherds, announcing the birth, announcing the arrival of the Savior. Do you realize that the heavens broke and the announcement came of the arrival to these shepherds who were not even in the middle of the city on the outskirts? And the announcement comes that the Christ is born. This is good news. But I want you to put this into perspective. This has been 60 plus generations in the making. This has been more than 3,770 years of waiting. And you thought the McDonald's line was long. And you thought the process of when's it ever going to end? When's it going to come? When's it going to break through? There's no doubt that waiting can equal weariness. In fact, the whole nature of weary, the reason you become weary is it's a prolonged period when something you're anticipating seems to not come in a moment of time that seems reasonable. The problem with reasonable is it has to be based on the standard of someone and guess whose reasonability or standard that usually becomes? It becomes my own. It didn't happen as quick as I thought it should. It didn't happen as I expected or supposed. And and maybe you're waiting in that process for healing, for restoration. There's a healing. And sometimes in the place we get weary. I wonder if there's anyone who can relate today with a weary world that's around us. Is there anyone who knows the weariness and the waiting that all of us can relate to that? We get tired of the waiting. But I believe today without a doubt that the wait is over because hope has come. But it doesn't mean that it gets rid of the weariness. It just means that in the midst of the weariness, we still have the ability to rejoice. This is not a trade-off 
where the moment the Christ that Jesus came, there was no more reason to be weary. No, it was in your weariness, those who are weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you the endurance. I'll give you the, the ability. You will still walk in a weary world that's broken, but I will be your rest. I will be your peace. I will give you the ability to rejoice even in your weariness. Paul said it this way. Paul said, we do not mourn as those who without hope, but we mourn as those with hope. He didn't say we won't mourn. He said, but even in our mourning, even in our weariness, even in our brokenness, we have this hope. Thanks be to Jesus Christ. I wonder if we ought to rejoice like shepherds on a hill that heard the news that the Savior has come and his name is Jesus. I know it's only 9.30. Settle down. We don't have to get excited yet. Unless your team is playing in Europe or in England, then the football games start early in the morning. And uh, us Steeler fans have not had to experience that yet. Uh, so we don't have to wake up till 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. But uh, that's just football. But uh, here's the weariness by nature we've all experienced. Luke 2, we read this text. The angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, there is a reason to rejoice. The wait has ended on that early Christ, Christmas morning. This wait, you, you, you recognize here that they waited over 3,700 years. They waited over 60 plus generations. That there's a promise, there's one who's to come. There's, there's one who's going to arrive and along the way they got more insight. They learned from, from Isaiah that she, he, the, the child would be born of a virgin. They, we learned from Micah that it would be in Bethlehem. We get insight and pieces that through these centuries and years and, and time that we put together more of the pieces of who it is that we're looking for. But in the midst of it all, I want to talk today about the waiting process. And maybe you're here today and you're weary. Maybe today you're tired. Maybe you feel like giving up. I love what Tim said last week. You give thanks or you'll give up. There's a, there's a promise of thanksgiving that when we condition our heart to give God thanks in all things, that when we live with thankfulness, that if we don't become people who give thanks to God, we're prone to giving up. But I want to say to us today, if you're weary today, I want you to know that there's still a God, that hope has come, and hope can cause you to rejoice even in the midst of your weariness. Hope causes you to rejoice even in the midst of the disappointments. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 3. You don't have to turn there, but you're welcome to because I want to give a storyline here of not only do we know when the wait was over, the wait was over the day that Jesus arrived, and the first announcement of that, of his arrival, came beyond Mary and Joseph, of, of course, but to the shepherds. The wait became over that moment that it was announced to the shepherds. But when did this wait begin? When did this world begin to become weary? When did weariness set into this process? And, and in Genesis chapter 3, it all begins here with Adam and Eve. And many of us know the story. And I just want to give you this story briefly and, and let us see today that in the midst of weariness, there's a God who's working and still in charge of every circumstance that takes place in our life. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are created by God. God created them because he loved them. He created him with purpose. He said, be fruitful and multiply. You know what he said? I've got a purpose. I want what's inside of you to multiply. I want what's inside of you to not just become another thing. I want it to become something greater and more and more. How many know that you and I are created in the image of God with that same desire to be fruitful and to multiply, to see the purposes of God advance and his glory expand in our lives? He created them in love and in purpose. He said, go, be fruitful and multiply. 
He said, this is the promise for you. Take care of everything that's around you. You have control and dominion over everything that's on this earth. The only thing is this. There are two trees in the garden. One is the tree of of knowledge, the tree of life, and the other is the tree of knowledge of of good and evil. And the knowledge, the tree of good and evil, the, the Lord said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except that tree. Don't eat of that tree. How many know human nature tends to go after the one that God said don't go for? Human nature is the one that says, don't do that. I I love it when, uh, you know, someone says, they say, hey, don't look over there. How many know the first thing you're probably prone to do? Where? The very place I said not to. Why? Because our nature is to move in that curiosity, that place. Here's Adam and Eve, and, and especially Eve. She, of course, looks in this moment. The serpent convinces her that she should eat of this tree that God said not to eat. How many know sin enters the world in that moment? In that moment, sin entered the world, and and here we become separated from God. And because sin entered the world, there was now a struggle and a difficulty that that took place that we were separated in that moment. But here's what, what the Lord said in that time frame, that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is what God says concerning the serpent in this moment. This one verse I want you to see today. He says, I will cause hostility between you, speaking to the serpent, to Satan. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, her offspring, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. How many know that the moment Adam and Eve took a step backwards and sinned was the moment that God intervened? And there's so much in this verse, but I want you to catch this. Here's number one. Number one is this, that hope remains. Do you know, and I hope you rejoice today, that God did not look at Adam and Eve and say, see, I told you, I told you not to do that, and there you did it. There you went, I'm done with you, I have no more to do with you because you failed. I gave you your chance, but how many know God already knew in his love and his mercy that he showed up, and he said, I've already got a plan. I know that there's failure, there's difficulty, but God did not love us according to our failure. He loved us according to the potential and the purpose to which he called us. He looks at Eve and says, says something great is going to come from you and what is inside of you is going to conquer the enemy that tries to come against you now it wasn't her but it was the promise and the word of God that came alive and put within her heart do you know that the moment she failed God said I'm putting a word inside of you and if you'll trust me that even though you failed there is no hope that is ever too hope too too hopeless there's not a situation that's too far gone that God says I'll give you a word for every situation of your life and I will cause what's inside of you to overcome the enemy that comes against you. He gives a promise right off the bat. He says, you're going to have an offspring, and the offspring, you say, well, who are the offspring of Satan? Well, First John tells us this, that anyone who obeys Satan or does the will of Satan is a son of Satan. Another place it says, you sons of the devil, and relates to that if we do the will of God or if we do the will of the flesh, we become children of darkness. He says there's enmity and absolute separation between your, the woman and serpent. And here's what he's saying. There is now forever this distinction that you will never get along. You know why there's tension in our world? Because sin came in. And we will always have this in every place in our life unless we allow the grace of God to melt our hearts and to make us one. We will always have this in every situation. Is that because we're failures? 
No, it's because we live in a fallen world. But God doesn't see us according to our fallen condition. He sees us according to the purpose to which he's put in us. And if we allow that hope to take hold of our heart, he allows us to come and what's inside of us becomes able to give way to hope. I want you to hear today that hope remains in every situation that you find yourself in. You may have fallen. I don't care where you woke up this morning. You may have woken up in the worst place you could ever think to wake up in. I want you to know there's a God who loves you who will wake up in that spot with you. There's no place you can go from the love of God. There's no way you can run away from him. He loves you. Hope remains in every situation. I don't care what the worst news is you could get today. If it's a doctor's report, if it's a situation that surrounds you, whatever comes against you, hope remains because of Jesus Christ. I want you to tell your neighbor you have hope. Tell him today. You know, this one sounds even better. Tell them this, you're not hopeless. There you go. There you go. Tell them you're not hopeless. We're never in a place that, that in every situation, hope remains. And he gives this promise. Even in the things that look out of control in our life, God is still in control. God is still in control. God is still, in fact, I've, I've tried to train myself to not say God is in control, God is in charge. You say, well, what's the difference? Control means to have an immediate response. How many know that there are some things I wish God would take control of immediately, but it doesn't always control the way I immediately want it to happen? Anybody else know what I'm talking about this morning? And so I've learned to say God is not always in control, but he is in charge, which means he knows how to work through those things that don't always go the way I immediately wish and want them to go. That he's a God who orchestrates and works all things to the good of those who love him. That he is able to work in all situations. I want you to know today that hope remains. It doesn't matter your condition. doesn't matter your situation. You have hope. Hope remains. Your disappointment, your disappointment, it will come and it will go. But the hope of Jesus Christ will remain forever with you. Your circumstance will come and it will change. It will change around you. But what will not change is the love that God has for you, the purpose that he has and designed you for. That will never change. The call of God and the anointing of God is without repentance. He doesn't take it away. He doesn't remove us. He loves you with an everlasting love and it will never change. This is the good news of the gospel and the hope that we have. It doesn't matter if you wake up down and out. doesn't matter if you made the worst decision of your life. doesn't matter. I'm not even going to try and paint the worst case scenario because yours might be different than someone else's. And it doesn't matter yours compared to theirs. All that matters is compared to the love and the grace of God. There is no place you can go without hope in Jesus. That he can turn every situation around. He can restore every broken marriage. He can heal every hurt of the past. He can make all things new. This is the hope of Jesus Christ. This is the hope and the glory. You say, Jason, why you got to hang on such a simple truth? Because I believe this. If we really caught the gospel and the word that God inside of us, it would change the way we wake up every day. It would change the way we look at life. It would change the way we look at people. If we really caught the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, because I think too many times we got it up here, but somewhere there's an artery stuck that doesn't allow it to get down here. But somewhere along the way, God, I know this hope. But this hope that breaks through the darkness, this hope that breaks through the disappointments. I woke up this morning, I said to my wife, I said, I had one of those weird dreams last night. I'm not even going to tell you what it was. It was weird. It was one of those weird dreams that you wake up and you say, oh God, thank you, that was a dream. You know what I'm talking about? Now I woke up again. I felt my spirit the second time, the same dream. And the Lord spoke to my heart, felt my spirit, that's not a dream. That's a work that I want to do, that I want to accomplish. But there are things that are breaking and shifting. And God says, will you trust me? 
will you put your hope in me? Will you put your confidence in me that I will accomplish that which I've set forth to do? What do you do when you've waited 3,770 plus years? What do you do when it feels like you're getting tired and weary? You say, don't read into that. I want you to say, don't read into that. This pastor is not tired. I've got more energy than I've ever had in my life. To, to, uh, so I, I want you to know today. But what I mean is there are times that we can get worn out because of life itself. There can be times we get worn out because of circumstances and situations. What we walked through didn't go as we desired. But, oh God, that we would know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You have this hope. I want you to know today hope remains. doesn't matter what your situation I'm saying this to somebody today. I'm not going to guarantee you that you won't have that tragic call. But I'm going to guarantee you that the moment you get that tragic news, there's a God who's in the midst of your circumstance and knows how to hold all the pieces together that seem like they're falling apart. I'm not going to guarantee you that you won't ever have a situation or difficult moment. I'll guarantee you this, that there's a God who will walk with you in every place, in every situation, in every area that you find yourself Galatians 6, 9, listen to the scripture. Do not get tired or weary of doing good at just the right time. Somebody say right time. Right time. At just the right time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. Galatians 4, 4, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman. There is no situation that God cannot intervene in, no situation that he can't work in, that he is able to do all that is needed. Hope remains Hope remains no matter what happens. This is Eve's experience. She gets God's word that says your offspring will overcome his offspring. That you're going to have victory. Do you know what I would imagine then? The moment Eve heard those words, she knew that there was a past behind her, but now she had to look forward to the future. Because how many know it doesn't matter what your past is? You've got to get to a place where you no longer look at your past. You now look forward to the future. And her looking forward to the future was there's going to be a child that comes and a child is going to crush this enemy, this Satan that lied to me and deceived me, that a child is going to come and crush what is happening, that his offspring will crush, my offspring will crush his offspring. You following me this morning? You know what? My mind has to ask myself then. I wonder what was in Eve's thoughts the moment she realized she was giving birth to a man. It was a child, but she said, I have possessed a man. She called him Cain, who's the first son born. And Cain literally means, here he is. I got him. Cain meant, woohoo! This is going to reverse everything that just happened. Here's Cain. God gave her a word that your offspring, what comes out of you, is going to overcome. So do you think her hope started getting excited because now she's got a child coming out of her? How many would expect that Eve started to say, yeah? But how many know it didn't go the way Eve expected? Eve didn't know all the details and all the stories. So Eve is thinking, here comes the moment that Cain is born. I'm going to call him, here he is. His name means he's arrived. He's here. It's him. We possess this. I have what I've been looking for. How many would know the story? If you know the story, it didn't go the way Eve expected. Because in fact, Cain ends up murdering the second son, Abel. This is not what she thought it would be. 
This is not what we expect. This is not what we desire. Here's the second point for a weary world that hope, hope of course, remains. But here's number two, hope reveals. When things don't go as we expect, hope reveals that the greatness of God remains. It reveals who the greatness of God is. That when we learn of God's greatness is only in the moment that we learn how to trust him. We learn of his greatness when we learn how to trust him in the moment in the midst of our weaknesses. Do you realize that when it doesn't turn out the way we expect, here's what I believe that hope reveals to us. Here's what hope has to reveal. Here's this. Hope has to reveal that we are not the source of hope, and hope does not come from us. Hope only comes from God. Do you realize what she said? She called him Cain. Here he is. I possess it. I want you to know today, sometimes we get weary because we're trying to produce hope in our own strength. Sometimes we get tired because we're trying to produce hope in our own understanding, in our own perspective, in our own ways. We're trying to make hope look a certain way, and when hope doesn't look a certain way, we get tired. Anybody tired this morning? Some of you might be tired in your marriage. Some of you might be tired in your finances. Some of you might be tired in places you've been. And I want to encourage you today, don't let hope become your own definition of what it ought to look like to you. Let hope be described that sometimes what hope reveals is, God, I thought it would look like this, but your word was a promise to me. So if it doesn't look like this, that only means you've got something even better. How many know if we start looking to God, not that he's trying to rob us and keep us from joy, but that he's protecting us and keeping us and preparing us for something greater? How many know that's a good father? How many think we ought to start seeing him as a good father? How many think we ought to start seeing God as a good father? Because too often what we see God as is, God, why would you not let me? Why are you keeping this? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? We see God for all the things he's not doing. But if we could believe that his goodness is, no, I'm protecting you. I'm keeping you. I'm directing. I'm working. I'm producing. That all that it changes in us, guess what that does? Even in the midst of weariness, when it doesn't go the way I expect, I still rejoice because I know that my God is not finished, that he's working together all things for my, for my good and for his glory. That it changes this perspective, that, that it gives us a revelation of hope. My prayer today is that you would have a revelation of hope, that we get tired. Some of us are, are tired in what we're trying to produce, that we're not the source of hope. I want you to hear this this morning. We are not the source of hope, therefore we cannot be the standard of hope. Hope's not going to look the way we think it ought to look. How many have found out that things don't always turn out the way you think and expect? Sometimes what I'm believing God for, and I've I got to be honest with you, I trust God. But I can't trust God's going to do this because I don't know what's in between this place of what God's doing. But my hope is not in this. My hope is in the one who gave me his promise that he'll never leave me or forsake me, that he'll walk with me. That even though I go in this place and this place, it's not the way I desired, designed, or thought it would be. But the hope and the goodness and the grace of God prevails in all things. And guess what that does? It keeps my heart steadfast in Jesus Christ. You know what it does? It causes me to guard my heart. Why? Because if I don't guard my heart, issues of life stem from this place right here. That I've got to guard my heart. And here's what the heart says. I guard my heart. And I, the way I guard my heart is, God, it didn't go the way I thought. But I'm going to believe that you're working something even better. And you're working higher and greater. Because I have a choice right now. To live by what I see or to live by faith. I've got a choice right now. To live by what I feel or to live by what your word says. I've got a choice right now to live by what's in front of me or to live according to the faith 
that you birthed inside of me. How many know sometimes taking the walk of faith can get tiring? You're going to get tired sometimes. Trusting God doesn't come with this coasting. Here's what it is, that even those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. You only need your strength renewed when you've been to a place where your strength just got a little bit of zap. Where you lost a little bit of your strength. You only need renewal when you spend it. How many know if you don't spend it, you don't need it? You only need renewed because you're walking in a place of trusting God, stepping out in an area of, of, of faith, of asking God for, for the purpose that he would have in your life. I want to encourage you today to hold on. There's no setback that God is not revealing himself who he is. Here's what, what I believe the, the revelation of what, what, what Eve is holding on to. Eve, of course, hopes that her son, she's given birth to Cain, and maybe this is the answer. It's not the answer. But here's what she holds on to. But I know your word said that my offspring would crush the head of his offspring. That he would strike my heel. But that God would strike his head. If I were to ask you today, um, you've got to take a shot and a blow. Would you like it to your heel or to your head? Which one you want? Somebody like, that is a stupid question. It's violent as well. Why would you even say that? How many know we would all say, I'd rather take the heel shot than the head shot? Do you know what God says? God says the enemy's going to come on your heels. But don't worry, because I'm going to give you the anointing and the power that he'll crush Satan under your feet. The enemy might be nibbing at your feet tonight. Just ask Israel what it's like when the enemy's on your heels. God knows how to take you places you didn't expect and lead you through a dry ground and a miracle and then drown your enemies who come after you because they're on your heels, but God knows how to crush his head. The enemy comes after your heels, but God knows how to crush and to bring victory. Some of you like, that's violent on Christmas season we're talking about. There is a God who gives victory through Jesus' name. Come on, is anybody who believes that there's a God that though the enemy comes and strikes your heel, that there's a God who knows how to crush the head and every design and every work, that what was meant for evil, what did he say to, to Joseph? What was meant for evil? What, what the enemy could conspire in his mind, the best he could come up with, what was meant for evil, God says, I know how to take that very thing and turn it around on its head and make it work for good because he's a God who knows how to flip things on its head. So it doesn't matter. The enemy might be nibbing at your feet, might be hitting at your, at your heels. He might might be bothering he might come you might be getting whatever he's bringing at you but I think today we ought to be people who say man I feel the enemy on my heels I might as well rejoice because in the midst of my weariness I know there's a God who is working all things for my good and for his glory and he's bringing all things about all right let me give you the last one the last one is this that hope causes resurrection hope resurrects I want you to hear today hope remains tell your neighbor you're not hopeless you're not hopeless. Hope remains. Some of you are having too much fun with that. Hope remains. I want you to hear today. Hope remains. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. You have hope. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for your situation. There's hope for your health. There's hope in Jesus' name. I want you to know as well that, that hope is as well that promise that God gives us that it brings revelation. And here's the revelation that, that Christ has greater things that he's bringing about in our life. Here's hope resurrects. Going back to Eve's story, she has two sons, which, by the way, I would encourage you, if uh, you don't have anything to read this week, Genesis 3 and 4. Um, 
uh, you, it's not a big read, but you could even tie that in. Go back and look at this this week. Uh, Genesis 3 and 4. We're, we're into Genesis 4 now where Cain, of course, is jealous over Abel. Cain is a farmer who works the land. Uh, Abel is a shepherd who takes care of the livestock. Abel brought his best and Cain brought what was left over. And God honored Abel's offering above Cain's. Now God said that's not a problem. You can always work that out. And if your heart is good, you can have an acceptable offering too. But Cain didn't want to work on his heart. Cain wanted to kill his opposition. (laughs) Cain wanted to take down what seemed to be his opposition. How many know early on the enemy already tried to get in? Not tried, but got in to tell us that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Uh, or that our enemy is flesh and blood, but how many know the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spirits, rulers, and what we do is we guard our hearts in those matters. And um, of course, Cain did not guard his heart even after God's instructions. God said, what's wrong with you? Sin is crouching at the door and it seeks to master you. Get a handle on this, Cain. If you don't, it's going to master you. Cain didn't get a hold of it. He didn't get a handle on it. So he takes his brother Abel out to the field and says, hey, bro, I want to have a talk with you. So Abel goes out to the field with him. And while they're out in the field, Cain kills Abel. Now Cain is not just the first son born. He's now showing us how in ourselves, what's born of ourselves is no good because now he killed. You know what? I would say to every one of us, we are like Cain, left to ourselves. To ourselves, we are destructive. To ourselves, we destroy But by the grace of God, hope can come alive. Here's what I want you to to see is that this is the moment. Listen what the Bible says in Genesis 4, verse 10. The Lord said to Cain, y'all follow me now? Cain killed Abel. It's in Genesis. The first son who Eve thought, the son of my my offspring is going to defeat Satan, defeat the enemy. And here's my offspring. Didn't work. The Lord says to Cain, the Lord said, Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Your your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Do you know what this is? This is the moment the earth started groaning. The scripture speaks of the earth groaning. Listen what it says in Isaiah. In Isaiah 24, the earth mourns and dries up and the land wastes away and withers. Even the greatest people on earth waste away. The earth suffers for the sins of its people. Even the earth is groaning. The Bible says in the New Testament that the earth is groaning for the return of Christ. Do you know when it started? The moment Cain planted Abel in the ground and the ground began to cry out. The ground began to say, this is not good. We live in a broken and a fallen place. And God said, I know the cry that's coming from the ground. And you just hold on because there's a cry that's about to come from heaven. And I want you to hear today that Abel cried from the ground. But there was a heavenly host that cried from the heavens. And that night the baby cried. He cried a praise of redemption that freedom has come in Jesus' name. One cry on Christmas night. The cry of Abel was now changed from a cry coming from the ground to now a cry coming from heaven that says the hope has come. I want you to hear this today. Weariness is the sound of the earth, but rejoicing is the sound of heaven. You might be weary, but rejoice because in due season, he is going to lift you up. 
Don't grow weary in your moment. In due season, he's going to strengthen you. Don't give up in this moment. Don't give up hope in this situation. Whatever you might be walking through, don't give up hope. Can I just bring this into, maybe this is a Bible nerd thing and I'm a Bible nerd, that's okay. You know what I love? Guess who Abel was? A shepherd. Go back and read it, Genesis chapter 4. Is it not kind of cool that the first person to cry from the ground was a shepherd? And guess who God appeared to to be the first ones to declare the hope has come. He knows how to reach you in your place of disappointment. He takes your ashes and turns it into beauty. He takes your despair and turns it into joy. He takes your sorrow and flips it on its head and causes you to rejoice. He might be in a place he knows the shepherd that's been put in the ground and he says, I haven't forgotten the shepherd that cries from the ground and I've now sent another shepherd to declare that hope has come in Jesus name I don't know about anybody else but I got hope flowing in my veins today and I believe the victory the hope of Jesus Christ for all the world hope has come hope has come I want to close with this this morning I'm three minutes over on my time I gave myself a schedule I said I'm going to be done by 10 after we're going to sing I want to read this in Romans chapter 8. You can follow along on the screen. But here's what I believe the Lord spoke to me today or this week and said there are people who are weary. And I've not come to just end your weariness. I've come to cause your rejoicing to drown out your weariness. Because if God would take away all of our problems, how many know we probably wouldn't need God? Come on, let's just be real. If there were no tension... We wouldn't need to check our heart. And if we didn't need to check our heart, we wouldn't need to evaluate where God is and where we are. God uses those things of this earth to work on the inside of us. And so you're weary. I want you to know today, your weariness, he wants you to have a rejoicing that the weary world can rejoice because we have this hope that is in Jesus Christ. I want to read this. And as soon as I finish reading this, they're going to sing this song. And I'm going to invite you if you need, you need hope today, you become weary, but you come to the end of yourself. Hey, Eve, learn a lesson from Eve. I cannot produce hope, but I can only hold on to the word of the one who gave me his promise. I can't produce it, but I can hold on to the one who gave it to me. And he said that my offspring will crush his offspring, that there will be hope that comes, and hope has come. Now listen to this. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. 
And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. How many know we're still waiting for it? We're holding on. We're believing. We too, like the earth, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us all our full rights as his adopted children. I want you to know today there's more to come. There's more to come. What God has already given, there's more to come. Including the new bodies that he promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. We must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. How? With groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Just like the earth is crying out, our spirit cries out to God. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Do you believe God's Word? Do you believe the hope that He's given you? That in the midst of your waiting, yes, you might get weary, but let your rejoicing drown out, dry out, drown out the weariness because the one who is in you has given you a promise to overcome the one who comes against you. We have this hope that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. If you're tired today, if you're weary, if you need a touch from God today, I'm going to encourage you. Man, let him be your strength. Let him cause your sorrow. Turn your sorrow into dancing. Turn your mourning into joy. Turn your ashes into beauty. How many believe he's a God who does the impossible? who makes all things